Uh, we're, we're back in our Hebrews 11 by faith series this morning. It's my joy to pick up where Justin left off just before Joseph and Lily were here um, with the Moses story. The, the context in Hebrews, the writers of the Hebrews writing probably 30 years or so after Jesus ascended into heaven. And uh, the early church began to spread and grow and fill the earth. The writer to the Hebrews is writing probably mainly to people converted from Judaism, but now are under pressure from Judaizers to, uh, to revert back, to put the law uh, back on themselves rather than rely fully on the finished work of Jesus that breaks every chain uh, when he died on the cross and was raised to life. Let me hear an amen, please. Come on, you were well and truly mwheeled last week. Don't go, don't go British on me again if, if, if British is your background. Um, and, and of course, we're looking back at heroes of the faith. Um, my privilege today is to look at Moses. The writer of the Hebrews writing around the mid-60s AD is writing about a character from 1,500 years or so before. It's remarkable the way the Scriptures hang together. Let me just read from, uh, from verse 1, uh, and, uh, and then I'll get into our text. Just a reminder now, Hebrews 11, if you have your Bibles, turn with it. If not, the Scriptures I'm reading will appear on the screen. Um, verse 1 of Hebrews 11, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Uh, and then the writer to the Hebrews goes on to, to list some of those ancients and to speak uh, about them and their stories and the faith that they were commended for. We'll pick up uh, in verse 23 uh, of chapter 11. It'll come on the screen behind me. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Let me hear you say short time. You always want that with a sermon. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful time of worship. Already so many of the words and themes that have emerged just fit so well with this passage that we're going to look at for the next few minutes. I thank you for that, Lord, in your wisdom, your providence, your kindness. You're already opening our hearts and speaking to us. Thank you so much. Holy Spirit, we need right now. Holy Spirit, we don't want man's wisdom. We don't want my ideas. They're not going to help anyone, but we, we open ourselves to a word of life from the life giver, from the way maker. God himself, come into our hearts. Make a way where there seems no way. We pray for those that are going to be listening online later on, those that are uh, serving our kids and teenagers this morning, those in the ID room, those who, who are working shifts today and can't be here. God, whatever time of day or day of the week that 
Holy, the same Holy Spirit, you're able to, to speak into their hearts right at the moment of their need. We speak, Lord, that you'd, you'd speak a word into the hearts of those that are sick and in hospital and not able to be here this morning. God, whether they hear these words or not, Holy Spirit, come and impact them with your life-giving hope today. Oh God, we pray for those like dear Niku and Alishba and Peter that are away seeing family in India and Pakistan. God, flung around the world. We say let there be words of hope and life that get carried into people's hearts and out from people's hearts to others, Lord. Lord, this is what's at stake this morning. And we just invite you to come and work amongst us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So, um, let's have a little look at this passage. You can read the background for yourself this week. Exodus 2, Genesis, Exodus, first two books of the big narrative of the Bible. You'll find uh, the story of uh, Moses in Exodus 2. Have a listen back to Justin from a couple of weeks ago where he handled the first part with Moses' parents. Real faith in action um, real faith initially is invisible at the heart stage where our hearts are open to God, where on a morning like this morning, God begins to speak something to you. No one else around can see it. Maybe there's a strange look on your face for a moment. But there's, when that first initial kind of combustible chemical reaction of faith is going on in our hearts and minds, other people aren't aware of it. But then it begins to be seen in the things that we do and the things that we don't do. Chris was great in setting that out when he began this series a month or so ago. And from this passage, it's very clear, even the words that are used about Moses teach us some principles for today, for our lives. Real faith refuses some things, and real faith chooses some things. Uh, There's a summary we can put up. There we are. Yeah, real faith refuses and chooses. Here in these verses, we see that Moses' parents initially refused to be afraid of the king's edict. Um, Moses himself refused an identity from the world around him. Moses refused the, all the short-term fleeting pleasures of sin that could have been his. Moses refused the treasures of Egypt in verse 26. And the treasures of Egypt were considerable. They the superpower of their day. There was vast wealth. I saw on the BBC website, even this week, they found another 20 uh, mummified bodies in a new tomb near Luxor. Still today, they're finding the treasures of Egypt. It's remarkable. One of the mummies that they've discovered and opened up, they found that it's wrapped uh, in layers of chocolate, tiny broken nuts. They think it's the mummy of Pharaoh Rocher. Um, I'm just checking you with me. Um, Moses, uh, Moses refused the treasures of Egypt. Moses refused seven to fear the king's anger. Real faith refuses some things, but real faith, if we can flip over, chooses some things as well. If we can put that slide up, please. I'll keep going uh, until the guys find it. Real faith, Moses chooses a true identity. It was chosen for him initially by his parents. He chose to be ill-treated with God's people in verse 25. Verse 26, he chose disgrace. 26 again, he chose to look ahead to reward. 27, he chose to leave Egypt, real faith. Uh, and just, if we could just go back uh, to the previous screen, just so we can finish off there. The previous one, backwards. No, 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 back to the chooses. I'll read them out anyway, and if you find them, brilliant. There we are. Chose to leave Egypt. He chose, verse 27, to persevere in the face of opposition. And again in verse 27, he chose to fix his eyes on the invisible God rather than the much more visible Pharaoh who was in front of him. So we're just going to work through these verses. I don't think we'll get through it all in the next few minutes. I want to make some room to pray uh, and respond 
as well. There are some big learning points for us here. Uh, it's remarkable. Some of the things that Kaz and I were really wrestling with through the, the sabbatical that we had in the summer are here in this, this text. And there's application for each one of us today who are disciples of Jesus who must continue maturing as followers of Jesus. And if there are any here who are not yet followers of Jesus, there's some refusing and choosing that you can do in faith today well. So let's just pick up in verse 23. Justin handled it well, but I, I, I felt like just prophetically I wanted to start there this morning. Verse 23, Moses' parents hid him for three months by faith. It was a faith act to take this new baby where they've been told, throw all the Hebrew male babies into the river. Um, these, this Hebrew race of slaves are overwhelming us in Egypt. They're a threat to us. And so in faith, his parents hid their son until they could hide him no longer. And uh, we've just been saying and recognizing over the last few weeks that, that there are some things prophetically that we're hiding in our hearts in faith. When Justin finished up a couple of weeks ago, I felt God speak to me so strongly about what are the things over the next three months I'm going to hide in my heart. What are the things that God's spoken that I say, Lord, I'm not prepared to give this up easily. And so I'm just going to hold on to them over the next 90 days so while they grow and mature in my heart. 90 days or so from now, we're tipping over into the new year, uh, 2020, um, into our weeks of prayer and fasting and the kinds of things that we will inevitably start the new year with. Moses' parents here were holding on to words, holding on to hope for a child who they certainly was about to be snatched away from them. Later on, we read about Mary when the angel makes amazing promises about this child that she's about to conceive or is conceiving. Um, and it says that she treasured these things, words, these promises about her son Jesus in her heart. She kept them in her heart. There's, there's something about mums, I, I think, um, and probably grandmas as well, um, with, with a specific role in your, in your character before God to hold on to and fight for and keep alive prophetic promises. However, however far they may seem to have drifted, holding and nurturing them uh, in growth, and into reality in, in prayer. If I'm speaking to m some mums here this morning, even mums, even grandmas, great grandmas. One of the things we remembered again during our we are not in a neutral zone. Lily covered it so well last week. We're in a, in a war. Hey, friends, if we, if we just rest for a moment and forget the promise, God for a few weeks or if we even give up because they seem far from us they quickly get stolen and so in faith we choose to act on the of God we take hidden action in faith uh, as we begin to see even hidden away in our hearts hands of God moving into gear his parents it says refused by faith to be afraid of the king's edict the pharaoh that said the baby boys must die real faith Fear full in the face and refuses to accept it. Re yeah, it does. Amen. Real faith understands we're in an actual battle. We have a real enemy. The scriptures tell us daily he has um, thought out strategies against you and me and churches to steal and destroy the promise of God over my life and your life and our families and this family together. We're not unaware of his schemes, the scriptures tell us, but real faith chooses to fix our eyes on the who has all power and all authority and is working out his purposes even when our lives can seem chaotic and unraveling. Wow. So the king here made a powerful and clear edict. It wasn't hard to understand. Kill the baby boys. Throw them in the, the river. 
Moses' parents weren't afraid of his words. As far as they were concerned, as sons and daughters of the living God, uh, the words spoken by Pharaoh were words spoken by a lesser authority. Um, the enemy, the scriptures just disparagingly say, small p, not a capital P, the prince of this world. He has no right to speak over, speak any kind of destiny over our lives, over my life, over your children, over my children, over our church. He'll intimidate. He'll lie. Um, he, he will discourage. But there's a higher authority. Um, uh, and when we get this, like Moses' parents, although they weren't aware of David who would follow them, we're able to say, hey, who, who is this? Yeah, this is real authority that's speaking into my life. But who's this uncircumcised Philistine like David did in the face of the overwhelming Goliath? Everyone else was hiding in caves when David was about to fight Goliath. The army, the army had hidden away, saw the king with his beautiful armor had hidden away in his tent but David was able to say hey there's one greater than 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 Goliath I don't fear this edict who are you you uncircumcised Philistine real faith recognizes the power of the enemy yeah it's very real but it, it but we decide this this authority has no right to shape the destiny of my life we come to the living God we hide ourselves in Christ. Justin was great the other week when he spoke of the parallel between uh, Moses being hidden in, the, in this little mini boat on the river, as it were. Uh, in the same way, Noah and his family were hidden in the ark. In the same way, Jesus Christ went down into the grave, rose again three days later. Those of us that are in Christ now, we've, we've been baptized into his death. We've, 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 we've been hidden in his death just like Moses was just like Noah was in the ark we've been raised up into life we're hidden in him now we've we've died we've risen we come to the one with all authority in heaven and earth so we do not fear the king's edict over us and that's what your prayers and my prayers are are doing Um, invisible unseen but we're ensuring as we day after day the 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 promise that that still remains unseen is not stolen away by an apparently greater overwhelming authority your prayers and mine are provoking the lord to unfold his plan in his greater authority so let's keep praying the prayers that we're holding on to in faith that's my encouragement to you i'm speaking to my own heart this morning let's hide some of the some of it's very personal we've been praying a lot about some family stuff over the summer and into the autumn but I'm praying a lot about some of our our 2020 outrageous goals I'm holding them in my heart over the next 90 days and just seeing what begins to emerge out in the open as we tip over uh, into the days of prayer at the start of 2020 is is the Holy Spirit speaking to anyone this morning or is it just me getting excited okay let me just wave an arm at me let me hear a little amen well done okay verse 24 by faith Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This verse is talking about growing uh, in spiritual maturity. Moses was rooted in his true identity and faith. He was a man of God's people. He's an heir of Abraham's promise. He was carrying something that had been placed in his heart by the Holy Spirit. I believe in those first three months when his mother was caring for him so carefully and in the weaning that followed in the story he's given back to his mom until uh, he's matured. Um, I think all of that meant that when the big moments of his life came, when the big calls were needed, Moses generally responded and lived of who he was as a worshipper and a follower of the living God rather than out of the more superficial surface reality uh, as a son of Egypt. 
I think it's only the first time we see Moses in maturity, where we see spiritual immaturity, uh, where he sees some of the Hebrew slaves being mistreated. And he comes as a Hebrew in his heart, but outwardly looking like an Egyptian. And when no one's looking, he kills the Egyptian who's been mistreating his people. He buries the body in the sand, and then he runs for his life. Just as an aside, we've, some of you are sitting here this morning feeling like you're not worthy to follow God. I don't know what you've done, what your track record is, but I'm, I'm suspecting not many of you have killed a man and buried his body in the sand and run away and not told anyone where it is. And if you have, this story tells you there's still hope for you to become a part of God's story. So praise God that you're here this morning, whatever your, your background. Uh, it was just the first time Moses acted out of spiritual immaturity. The rest of the time we see he acted out of who he truly was. I wonder whether it was something soon after where he had the encounter on his own. His parents weren't involved with, the, with God speaking to him through the bush that burned uh, and wasn't destroyed. And Moses now um, not relying on his parents' faith perhaps. And, and those of us that have grown up in, in church and Christianity have had to come through this point. But now having his own encounter with God that meant that everything that his parents had deposited now came for him. After that, everything changed for Moses. When you read the Exodus account, Exodus 2.9 tells us, when the child grew older, Pharaoh's uh, daughter took him and called him her son. So Pharaoh's daughter declares, and maybe there was some kind of official adoption ceremony, this, this Hebrew child is my son. He's in my line. He's a prince of Egypt. But Moses had already been brought up and weaned and trained and raised on his true identity. I mean, the, the story is amazing. I, I think the women in this, in this story, uh, they should have more lines of their own, uh, perhaps. And certainly Moses' mom, Moses, that's Moses' sister, his big sister, they're so cunning. Um, they know they're going to have to give up Moses because they can't hide him any longer. He's over three months. He's making a noise. He's, he's a big boy. He's beautiful. Everyone else knows that they've had a baby. You can't keep that kind of stuff quiet. But they, I, I think they, I'm reading between the texts a little bit, but they engineer through real spiritual cunning, uh, a marvelous outcome. And so they put him in this, in this safe little uh, box covered in pit. Um, but they don't throw him into the river. They're not expecting Moses to be destroyed. They put him in the shallows. Uh, they put him amongst the reeds and the bulrushes. I believe they put him in the water at just the time where they knew Pharaoh's daughter and her entourage will be just around the river bend. Uh, and uh, Big Sister says, yeah, I'll, I'll just walk along and keep an eye, and I've probably got a stick as well so he doesn't get out into the current and the crocodiles but stays in amongst the bulrushes, and we come around the corner and perhaps I'll just make a noise of exclamation and say, oh look, a baby in a box in the river, uh, and catch Pharaoh's daughter attention. And when Pharaoh's daughter looks at this beautiful boy and says, oh, I've, I've got to have him for myself, as, as, as big sister knows that he will, she says, hey, do you want me to find you a Hebrew wet nurse? Because you don't want all that kind of dirty work as a, as a, as a, a, a princess of Egypt yeah please find me a Hebrew wet nurse and so big sister takes Moses back the Mo Moses who would have been snatched away by the king's edict takes him back to the mother where he's now weaned for the next five or six years and Exodus 2 tells us that Pharaoh's daughter paid Moses mother for the privilege of bringing up her own son is there not some cunning going on in that story it's remarkable uh, and although Pharaoh's daughter eventually called Moses her own son he was raised on his true identity I, I think every day Richard was great a few weeks ago talking about the practice of faith. I think every day uh, Moses' mum was just speaking truth, truth, truth into Moses. I remember Kaz when Az were little, and in fact she does it now 
when, when they're big, we've tried to do this imperfectly, in, in but just every day when they were tiny, singing over them, praying over them, when they were asleep, just going into their room, uh, sorry, little man, um, and, uh, and just speaking promise over them, reading scriptures over them, praying over them. What are, what are we doing? It's hidden. It's unseen. It's locked away. But we're believing a destiny that is not going to be shaped and formed by the world. It's really interesting hearing Christine's little snippet of our story this morning. We've learned a lot since ours were little about the, you know, um, through the child psychologists and the like. You know, the, the way that, that, that bonding and identity and love and affirmation are formed in the early stages, even actually while children are in the womb. It's remarkable how God has made parents and children uh, to, to love and to be loved and to know who they really are. And, and beloved, if it's true in the in the natural, how much more true is it in the spiritual as well? Let me ask you this morning, as I ask myself, what are you refusing to allow? What are you choosing to nurture in your identity? What are you choosing to nurture in the identity of your, of your children? What are we choosing as a family, whether you're a parent or not? But we have many here who we want to see nurtured in the identity of God. We're not neutral. We get to refuse some stuff and we get to choose some stuff. God bless you. This, so this moment of Egyptian adoption, big ceremony perhaps, but it meant nothing to Moses. He'd already come into maturity knowing who he truly was. Are we going to let the world decide and put a label over who we are? Or are we going to say, no, I know who I am in Christ? Some of us have got our roots. You know, we've been baptized. We're following Jesus. We've got a true identity, a true inheritance in God. But perhaps our lives look more like we're living out of the identity that the world would shape us in. It takes real faith to refuse the identity of the world. This by faith series means nothing if it's all just in our heads. It takes some practice and some choices. Romans 12, 2, uh, a famous verse. If you, if you know it, it's not famous if you don't know it, um, but it speaks about the practice that we make by faith. We're saying we won't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but we'll be renewed, transformed by the renewing of our minds. In faith, I believe that was the practice going on around the young Moses. His parents and then he, as he got older, refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh, but rather as a son of God. So maybe if there are parents here who are making notes or perhaps again just speaking to, you know, as aren't little anymore, um, that period of influence has, has gone. It's different now. There are other ways of influencing um, older, grown-up adult children. Um, but we as a church look around there's lots of empty seats because we've got 60 naught to 11s and some teenagers and a big team that are serving them and they go out of the meeting at moments like this and uh, we have the joy and the privilege of investing in, in these scores of children and teenagers um, and this work of weaning and putting a true identity in them it's not just about teaching some right and wrong and hoping for the best it's a daily and a nightly, uh, deep work, uh, um, hidden away sometimes, of identity forming, which one day results in um, mature kids carrying their life in God forward rather than just being knocked out of shape and blown this way and that by the world. By faith, we choose to be that kind of family and church where this kind of nurturing work is so highly valued. Amen? By, by, by faith, we refuse to say, and man, we've said it and we've heard others say it as parents too. I'm not judging you for it. I totally understand. But by faith, let's refuse to say, hey, what can you do? 
What can you do? Uh, by faith, we refuse to say, or just kind of hope for the best with our kids or our teenagers in the church, or, hey, they're probably going to slip away in their teenage years anyway for a while. No, we refuse that idea in faith. Real faith chooses a daily practice. Real faith recognizes, no, we're in a war. Our kid, it's not neutral for our kids. We're going to refuse to give them up to the world, and we're going to choose daily to hide them in prayer and form in them a true identity. If, if I'm speaking to your heart this morning, hey, let me encourage you. It's never too late. If you think, man, I've missed that opportunity. No, you haven't. By faith, we pick it up again this morning. Maybe that's one of the things you want to join me in praying over the next 90 days. Perhaps just day and night praying those kinds of prayers over your children or together as family um, uh, um, over our noughts to 11s and our teenagers. Verse 24. I was a little longer than I had anticipated there. Uh, real faith matures us. <laughs> In our identity in God. When Moses had grown up, it says, we, we have the privilege of being a church family increasingly um, who have come from different cultures, different continents, all kinds of different family traditions and backgrounds and ways of doing things. Some of us have come to faith, uh, just grown up from when we were kids uh, as, as believers in Jesus. Some of you have come in your adult years True spiritual maturity, whatever our background, comes as we trust fully in the hope that is ours in, in Jesus Christ. So in faith, we refuse to be known by any other identity. If, if we leave it alone, the world will quickly squeeze us and crush us into its identity. Some of the things I've been fighting with over the summer as we've had some rest, the, the world will quickly put on us an identity of anxiety, of fear, of Busyness. You can tick your own boxes here, by the way. Don't feel I'm the only one that has to say them out loud. Um, isolation, man, hatred, racism, judgmentalism, critical spirit, um, self-worship, um, self-sufficiency. The, the world will quickly squeeze us into that mold. Whatever our identity, whether we, we, whatever the color of our skin, black or white, whether you've grown up in Europe or Asia or South America, whether you vote left or vote right, whether you'll leave or remain, we, we refuse to be known. Some of those are an important part of our identity, but they are not our primary identity. You and I have a primary identity in the Lord Jesus Christ that we grow up into maturity. And we, remember, we've been formed and hidden in Christ for the purpose of living out of that identity uh, in him to change the world around us. Well, I think we're all in these stories in Hebrews 11 by faith. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, when you read back in their stories in Genesis, I think somebody touched on it a few weeks ago. We, we find all their kind of continuing family traits in those guys some of which were formed in God and were full of faith, and some of which, frankly, were sinful and, and, and terrible. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, increasingly worse liars, um, or better liars, depending which way you look at it, um, as the generations went on. Those of you that know me may recognize that I can be quite competitive at times. Um, it's not confession time. Um, I had a, a, apparently I'd never met him. I had a great-grandfather who, who was, you know, we joke in the family, there's a lot of competitiveness. It's not just on my side of the family, might I say. Uh, it's dangerous for our kids. You want to listen carefully to the next few minutes. Um, I had a great-grandfather who was playing cards with his family Sunday afternoon, nice family game of cards. He was so angry that he was losing to his wife and children that he threw down his cards. He went upstairs. They heard a thump and his heart had stopped and he died um, 
we, uh, enough years have passed, I guess, because none of us knew him, for us to smile about that and say, that's kind of what the family is like. It's just in the family. And all of us, I guess, can look back at our family lines uh, and recognize some traits that make us smile and some traits that make us grimace a little bit. Some of you have had parents and grandparents and generations back who've who've lied, who've cheated, you've had a higher number than normal of divorces in your family. Some of us down our family lines carry hereditary sicknesses. We say that's just the way it is. Some of us say I come from a family of family line of, of people who are anxious or have carried depression or are gossips or oh we, yeah we've we've always been cynical. Oh God hates cynicism or violence or addiction or or just a family line that goes back where you think, man, they've exercised no self-control whatsoever beloved disciples of Jesus those who have been hidden in Christ what about us are we just going to choose the identity and the inheritance that's given to us as sons of Pharaoh or by faith do we refuse it as we mature in Jesus Christ it's been said over us already this morning in our worship but coming to Christ breaks every chain including ancestral lines that are sinful you and I are new creations in Christ it's good news for you Noah and your brother and your sister. He's your first allegiance now. Um, Which identity are we going to live out of and allow to define us? We can cut it off today in Jesus' name. You're no longer the son or the daughter of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, please hit my, you, some of you know my mum and dad, they're fantastic. And I thank God for every good trait that's been handed down to me by my dad and by my forefathers. Um, uh, sorry, if English isn't your first language, I don't have forefathers. It's an expression to say back through the generations. Um, I don't want to confuse anyone there. I'm really grateful for the things that have been handed down to me. But I'm also able in Christ and by faith to recognize and refuse anything sinful that would steal my true identity in Jesus Christ. Some of you thinking this morning, it's the Holy Spirit at work. Moses even looked like the son of Pharaoh's daughter. People responded to him in that way. The Israelites did the first time he he, uh, began to try and serve them. He could have lived out of his lesser identity and had his true identity just drift away, but by faith Moses refused. When he comes back out of his time in the wilderness, he comes back with a far greater authority than he would have ever had as a mere prince of Egypt. Rather than coming into some inheritance, maybe some regional authority as an adopted princely son, he comes by faith into a far greater call and inheritance uh, in Jesus Christ. He comes into a far greater sphere of influence. He has decisive rule even over Pharaoh in the end uh, and and, and God gives him a people to lead out of of slavery by faith those of us who are saying God I want to move forward into maturity to grow up in Christ to let the fullness of Christ shape me in every way for him to become my all in all to throw off the identity of, of the world even the harmful sinful identities of my family of origin which would steal my true call in life by, by faith I take those choices and so the world and its edicts lose some of its authority I'm not going to have time to go through everything this morning, but do, do you see what refusing and choosing by faith, the effect it has on our, on our lives? It can change everything, friends. There's a ripple effect through every part of our family, through those that come after us, through the kids and teenagers we're bringing up in the world. Once we fix our identity on Jesus Christ, faith always leads to action. Refuse and choose. We begin to make different decisions. Uh, we grow up into maturity in Christ and we go out and change the world. Hallelujah. 
Let me just quickly move through some other things, then we'll pray. Verse 25, by faith he chose to be ill-treated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. There's a, there's a sermon just in that verse. Um, Jesus said, if the world hated you, they'll, uh, the world hates me, they'll hate you also. We're told we're strangers here in this world. We live as, as, as aliens and strangers. We don't live for this world, uh, although we live in it. And again, we, just in passing briefly this morning, let me at least ask you, how are we living in this world? Are we pulled into the short-term pleasures of sin? just want to be straight with you. I love you. I want you to mature and grow as disciples of Jesus. But by faith, we've got to grow up as disciples. There's, in short, we need to start saying no to some things and yes to some things. There's some stuff that is sinful and short-term that we need to refuse. And there's some turning to God and choosing uh, that we need to, st- to take. We need to come to the one, Jesus Christ, who was tempted in every way but said no to sin. Um, by faith, we refuse the pleasures of sin. Let's exercise our faith. Let's put this real faith into action by doing some more refusing, perhaps, than we feel we ought to. I'll say no more about that verse. Verse 26, Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than all the treasures of Egypt. I've just remembered that joke. That was terrible. Um, Moses, Moses could have had an easy life. Um, in his Egyptian cotton sweatpants and his beautiful mascara, um, spending his wealth in self-absorption and, and consumption and comfort. In fact, the, Moses, the life Moses was tempted to is probably similar to the kind of Netflix generation that we're a part of, of, of now. Sounds very much like us. But the gift of faith meant Moses was not able to live that way. There's a greater prize. Um, that he, he's... To be found in and identified in Jesus Christ is the greatest price. Jesus was going to come from Moses' line. Jesus who was not yet born. Moses' decisions before God to throw aside the considerable treasures of Egypt make him in faith a disciple of Jesus Christ. They make Moses a signpost to Jesus for us. Jesus is held up in the scriptures as the, the, the fulfillment, the high point, the end point of everything that Moses and others stood for. It says of Jesus in the Hebrew, in the letter to the Hebrews, actually, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He scorned its shame. Oh, so many treasures to live for today, for Moses in his day. It's so hard to live by faith, um, especially when we have an inheritance that we don't yet see. And the treasures of this world around us are very visible and very alluring. And we know that we may be misunderstood, mistreated, even persecuted for living this way. Yet Jesus Christ did so. Jesus did say no in the wilderness to every temptation, to power and to temporary short-term wealth. Jesus left the crowds behind when they wanted to make him and crown him as Messiah before his time. Yeah, Jesus gave himself up. He went down to death, even death on a cross. Just over the page, Hebrews 13, 13 says, Jesus bore our disgrace for us. Jesus was put outside of his own people. Moses, by faith, considered disgrace for the name of Christ. Moses' faith leads us to the disgrace of Jesus, the shameful death of Jesus, the bearing of my sin and your sin in shame on the cross in order that we might rise with him, in order that by faith in him we might come into a new life. We might have the joy of giving up everything else that we have in order to have this one thing, this one prize, this pearl of greatest price as the scriptures call Jesus Christ. Real faith says Jesus is Lord and refuses to settle for anything less than that. Oh, hallelujah. Moses was looking ahead to his reward. 
Peter says later, that reward is for all of us. It's an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for us. Is that what we're living for, friends? Are we living for a lesser prize? Some reward that, yes, satisfies now, but in a few days' time it leaves us empty. Wow, we're looking ahead with Moses. Looking ahead means to deliberately look away. Uh, uh, Justin, I think, was speaking a little bit about repentance this morning. Taking some steps back before we run at Jesus Christ. This, this looking and fixing of our faith and our focus on Jesus always begins with turning aside from sin and from the secondary and from the lesser and from compromise and, and locking on to the greater reward that we have in Jesus. Refusing even to look back. That was a trouble for the people of Israel when they got into the wilderness. They kept looking back. But we, we don't, we're not those who turn back and waver in unbelief. We're not those who look back and, and, and like they used to say on Bullseye in the 1980s, look at what you could have won. It was the speedboat. That's not how we operate. We've got our eyes locked on and fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Hebrews 10, 35. So don't throw away your confidence, beloved. It'll be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. Real faith refuses to swerve refuses to move away, chooses to hold on to hope in Christ, refuses to throw away confidence, refuses to give up, chooses to focus on Jesus, to persevere in obedience. That's what real faith does. Joe, can you come back while I just finish off on verse 27, play something beautiful. We're going to respond in prayer in a moment. So Holy Spirit still speaking to anyone this morning. Verse 27 tells us about real faith. Finally, and I'll finish here. I won't get through the rest of it. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Real faith enables us to persevere in the face of hardship. Um, Moses is caught between the Egyptian army, angry Egyptian army, and the Red Sea. It, it's a, it's a, there's nowhere to turn in that moment. But we fix our eyes on the invisible God and his promises when we're in between the fierce threat and the sea that's closed up in front of us. We, scriptures tell us later we choose to fix our eyes on, uh, um, on, Jesus, where Christ, on the things above, where Christ sits at the right hand. Remember we've said from verse 1, faith is invisible. Faith lives in the realm of the invisible. It's, the, it's being certain of what we don't see. It's what's impossible in our own strength and logic. Just stay with me a moment now. Don't lose your focus as you start thinking about tea and coffee. This is very important as we move to pray. We're choosing to believe promises from God, from a God we can't see, a God who's invisible. Uh, they're promises that we can't yet see and don't yet have in our hands. And yet we're believing that we have it, even though we don't yet see him and don't yet see it. And all the evidence around us that we can see and that we can hear seems to be to the contrary and says it won't be so. Friends, that's what real faith in Jesus Christ is about. Disciples of Jesus operate in that realm day after day. We choose the invisible. That's why we get up and pray in the mornings when it's dark. That's why we rest in his promises when we go to sleep at night rather than taking uh, leadership of our life into our own hands. That's why we're refusing to settle just for static church. That's why we're, we're choosing to believe that over perhaps the next year or 18 months or so, we might be 
so shaped as a people that we see more than ever of our friends saved and added, that we might see people prayed for and healed with our ordinary laying on of our ordinary hands. It's because of faith that we believe we might be those who get to joyfully and sacrificially give more money in worship than we've ever done before with real joy. It's by faith in the invisible that, that, we, that we believe that God might just use people like you and me with across the town and beyond with acts of mercy and goodness and kindness. It's by faith that we believe believe we might just have the privilege of training releasing and sending all kinds of leaders and people into all kinds of places why is it it's because we've heard a whisper from the invisible god who says his kingdom is going to spread and grow through the likes of you and me yeah we don't see it we don't see him i can't believe it as i look at myself but by faith disciples that's where we're choosing to fix our eyes what are we going to persevere in i've got i've got um i've got my next marathon in uh, under 13 days, in two weeks' time today, I will have, I may be standing here, but, but leaning a little more heavily on something. The, the only reason I've been going out in the, in the rain and in the dark mornings and evenings doing three-hour-plus runs is that I've, I've got a medal in mind, and I've got a time on my mind to finish in. Neither of those things are yet mine. <laughs> they are definitely not in my possession. You could say it's all in my imagination, and yes, it is. But I've imagined a scenario whereby the medal is already around my neck and where the finish time is already mine, and therefore I, it changes my life today. I get up and I go when I'd rather take it easy, when I'd rather stay in bed because I believe it's already mine. Again, it's true in the natural. How much more is it true in the spiritual? Where are you choosing by faith to fix your eyes Beloved, no wonder at times we don't persevere. We waver, we give up, we fall down, we come under fear of man and the world. Of course we're going to. We begin to fear the edicts of the world and the fear it pushes on us. Um, we reject that utterly this morning. We are in Christ Jesus. We're in his finished work. We've been bought at a price through his blood on the cross. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus and on his throne in heaven. We are going to be those who continue and persevere in faith until every promise he's made over us has been vindicated with a yes and an amen. And every enemy that at times has seemed so fierce and so angry and has trapped us between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea is forever drowned for the sake of the glory of Jesus. Can I hear an amen and please stand? Let's, let's pray together. Wow, we refuse and we choose by faith. If, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if you know I've never really turned away from my old life, just want to give you a moment now to respond to Jesus Christ. The Bible uses the words, uh, words like repentance, to turn. I'm refusing sin. I'm choosing this disgrace of the cross. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus has been raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's saving faith. It's what gets you started on this journey. If that's you this morning and you know that you want to take that step, please come and see me in a moment as we sing a song and pray together. I'd love to, love to lead you through a prayer and get you started on that journey. For the rest of us, let's just pray a simple prayer. Let's repent and let's lock on to Jesus. Did I put the prayer up on the screen? Is, is that refuse and choose prayer? Is it, is it there, Deb, on the screen, the next slide? Ah, can we just pray this out slowly together? I think there's three or four screens of this prayer. Let's just pray it together. Holy Spirit, help us now as we pray, please. Okay, with me. One, two, three. Lord, I refuse to be neutral, to pretend we are not in a war. I refuse to accept any other destiny for my life, my family, my church, 
than the promises you have made. I choose to pray and hide your promises in my heart, to nurture them daily for my life, my family, my church. I refuse to take my identity from the world and to have my true destiny diluted or stolen. I refuse to conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I choose my true identity as your son to renew my mind and conform to your will for my life. I refuse the short-term pleasures of sin. I refuse to identify with you without compromise, even if it means being ill-treated. I refuse every secondary treasure and ambition apart from Jesus Christ and knowing him. I choose to live for the greater prize that I find in the disgrace of Jesus Christ on the cross. I refuse to be in fear of the world, the flesh, or the devil. I refute every opposition to your plan for my life that is not rooted in Christ. I refuse every fierce word and threatening intimidation against your cause. I choose to turn my back on Egypt and persevere in obedience to your call. I refuse to look at and listen to the threats of the enemy. I choose to repent and turn my face and attention to the invisible God, trusting your assignment for my life. I pray this because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Amen. The guys are just going to lead us in a song, and I'm just going to invite you as as a wordy prayer, but there will have been a line that just caught your heart. Just begin to pray it out to the Lord. If you know this morning, actually, I want to come forward and make a point of saying, Lord, this is what I'm responding to. You're so welcome to do that. If you want to do that from the seat you're sat in, do that as well. But let's just take a few moments to do business with God as we refuse and choose to live by faith. Amen.